Welcome to the latest episode of We Young We Pod When We're Winning. Three men with a few verbal skills, not many football skills, and a love of the world game. We're also lucky enough to be joined by Super Pete Novikowski to talk all things women's football, in particular our bid for the Women's World Cup. We love football. We are We Only Pod when we're winning. Cast Pete, uh, how's your afternoon going? Uh, pretty sensational. Been up at the park, having kick around with a couple of friends, and now I've got the opportunity to chat to uh, one of my favourite people in the world. Well, I actually believe you may have had something else uh, pretty European that you did today as well. <laughs> uh, look, I don't. I can't really guarantee anything that was too uh, amazing along the way, but uh, it's up to the listeners to try and make the guess or the assumption as to what was happening. Uh, we won't talk about Swedish meatballs, but um, some good news potentially this uh, Friday morning coming up, Pete, uh, in terms of the women's game. Exactly right. So 2 a.m. is when it is all set to go down. FIFA's uh, meeting or their online Zoom meeting, if anyone feels like Zoom bombing, please feel free to jump in. Uh, and that's when the voting will be uh, cast. So I'm sure that we will be able to find out who will be the uh, host of the 2023 Women's World Cup. And it's set to be between Colombia and Australia New Zealand's bid. Yeah, so our, our bid uh, with New Zealand was rated the technically the best, which hasn't always voted or hasn't always been good for us in the past with World Cups. But um, we had Japan pull out, so that was quite interesting. Yeah, exactly right. And that happened quite late in the piece. I don't think anyone really expected uh, Japan to take out their bid at kind of like the 11th hour as it was, if anything, uh, we expected Brazil with the, the fact that it was high cost and the impacts of COVID-19 on their bid and uh, the impact that the lack of tourism would have had on being, them being able to host. But as for Japan uh, being a late pullout, it seems like it was more of a, uh, a decision from the Asian Football Confederation, like the entire uh, AFC, behind a singular bid. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good perspective. Um, some other people were saying the delays of the uh, Olympics and so forth, but um, I, I couldn't see that was going to be an issue. They'd have a lot of people who would be able to transition from you know, working in the Olympics uh, event stage over to the Women's World Cup. So I don't think that was yeah, exactly. a factor. Well, think about Brazil. We had the Rio Olympics and then followed up with a uh, Brazilian World Cup not that far behind and it was quite close by in terms of their volunteer base in terms of how they all work together uh, so it was well structured in terms of a uh, Brazilian bid just a few years ago and uh, so you think what, what what kind of percentages would you give for uh, Friday morning how, how are we looking in your estimate oh gosh this is this scary optimism uh, a moment where you don't want to be too confident along the way but at the same time once you kind of have the backing of the Asian Football Confederation you can almost say that it's a done deal. Uh, we kind of saw that with the uh, bids for the 2022 Men's World Cup uh, with Qatar winning and it was considered to be great for the Asian region for a country such as Qatar to win. So once you kind of have the, uh, the support of one of the uh, most dominant uh, confederations, you can almost say it's there and done and dusted. And, and your thoughts on the impact it will have? Will, will it have a long-reaching uh, impact on the women's game in Australia, or do you think it's just a continuation of the good work that's already been done? No, I think it's actually going to have a huge impact uh, on the development of uh, women's football in Australia and in New Zealand. I think that we can see the the potential change of the W League moving to a winter competition. We can see that with so many Matildas heading over to Europe because they've seen what the professional game can be like in Europe. This is kind of the perfect time for New Zealand and uh, Australian football to kind of reset and really showcase what they're all about. And, and obviously, you just had someone driving past uh, just a minute or two ago giving uh, giving their, their approval there with a double beep. Exactly right. Everyone's kind of getting behind the Women's World Cup bid and... Uh, Look, it is sensational, the fact that we have so much support. And where do you think some of the games will be played, Pete? Like, if we were successful, where, where would you see some of the stadiums uh, being utilised? Uh, well, from what we understood from the uh, uh, report that was put out, 
uh, there were actually kind of 16 uh, stadiums being mentioned. And out of that, you actually only need 10 to be able to host. So that's part of the reason why the Australian and New Zealand bid was considered to be so successful was because they had kind of gone above and beyond what was considered the norm uh, for nominating potential venues for the event. So we should be able to see the likes of um, Homebush uh, in New South Wales as one of the main venues. Uh, likewise, the potential new Sydney football stadium could be a, uh, a major host. With any luck, we'll get to see uh, a few games being played down in Melbourne as well, initially at uh, Melbourne Rectangular Stadium, everyone's favourite <laughs> wordy named stadium. Um, and likewise, we'll be able to see a few games being played up in Brisbane as well. Well, fingers crossed that the game up here definitely needs a boost. Um, in 2023, they're looking at also having a new rugby league team. Oh, they will have a new rugby league team in, in Brisbane. Uh, could be in Ipswich, could be anywhere. Um, so it's, it's going to be timely um, that, that we have some games up here because, as you know, with the A-League stagnating, um, we just don't want to see people fall off the radar a bit. Um, and, and especially with, as you said last week, a lot of women now plying their trade overseas. But it'd be so good to see so many of them come back and represent the country in a World Cup. Yeah, exactly right. But it's not just from a, a player's perspective. It's also aspirational from a coach's perspective, from an administration's perspective, from even a volunteer's perspective. We, we've got plenty of people who, you know what, they've got their collection of volunteer jackets at home from the 2000 Olympics in Sydney, from uh, Commonwealth Games, from uh, even, you know, World Youth Day back in uh, 2008. So there's plenty of people who would be more than happy to kind of throw their support behind uh, such a worthy event and such a uh, suspenseful event as a Women's World Cup. Mate, I'll be keeping my eyes open. You know, I've worked in sports administration off and on for years, so it'll be interesting to see what uh, jobs come out of that as well. So I'll, I'll keep my eyes peeled. Uh, yes, I do love my current job if they are listening in, but, you know, you've always got to keep your options open. <laughs> hey, we can't say no when uh, when the likes of FIFA come knocking. You, you generally have to put your hand up and say that would be sensational. Absolutely. So anything else that's um, caught your interest in the uh, women's game in the last few days there, Pete? Well, there's obviously the, the plenty of transfers which have just gone ahead. We talked about last week with the likes of Ali Carpenter heading across to France. Uh, there looks to be a few more players soon to be heading across. Kaya Simon announced that she would be leaving Melbourne City and it looks like she'll be heading across to the Women's uh, Super League over in, the, uh, over in England. Uh, likewise, Lydia Williams is set to announce her new club in the coming days. And uh, Steph Catley as well will announce her club uh, in the ne- to near uh, future. So, um, I'm expecting some more movement in terms of our Matildas and likewise I'm expecting more movement in terms of what the future of the W League holds and how that will impact uh, the likes of MPL clubs and if anything kind of solidify a player pathway um, which will actually show development between the top tier and you know, the local MPL clubs. With any luck, we'll be able to see a pathway that in five years' time will have promotion and relegation in a W League competition. In 10 years' time, we'll be able to see a competition that's not just a 10-team comp. Instead, we might be able to see it expand to the likes of 16 teams. So this year is probably the ideal time to really see a reset in football and a chance to really uh, kind of throw the net out get as many answers as possible and see what's kind of a plausible uh, solution for the future. And it's a great, great commentary there because the pathway for women's sport now to become a professional sports person, whether it be uh, the world game, uh, AFL, rugby league, cricket and so forth, is really plausible now. And we're going to see so many crossovers, you know, more than we've ever seen before. So it's really exciting times if you've... uh, you, you ever coach women's sport or, or have women in your life that love it. Uh, it's really exciting times. And it gives it gives some um, people who might not have seen a lot of women's sport another sport to watch or, or another avenue to watch that same sport. Exactly right. Exactly right. Now, we've seen the, the professionalisation of the likes of the AFLW competition, the NRLW competition. We've seen the boom, that netball, even though they've kind of uh, alienated a lot of fans with their most recent uh, rule change with super double points. I couldn't believe that. And so, I couldn't believe when I read that, but uh, yeah. we'll see what happens. Exactly right. But now that we actually see that there is a professional pathway in Australia for other sports, this is kind of the perfect opportunity for Australian football to really say, look, 
yes, there will be kind of an extended W League season. We might not be able to see the same likes of the A League of going from December to July. Perhaps we might only see December to March or December to April. Um, but we'll, we'll hopefully be able to see a lot more of that connection between, like I say, the top tier and being able to say, yes, there is actually a professional pathway for players to be able to really reach the top rather than only having kind of these hubs which are kind of outpricing a lot of the players and therefore can kind of um, discriminate against different social classes. So with any luck, like I say, this is the ideal time to see the culture change, to be able to see professionalisation change, to be able to really plan out the future of women's football. And it all starts on Friday morning at 2am. And the thing is, if Australia does get to host the Women's World Cup in 2023, then this is where it all comes into action. And we can kind of say, look, in three years' time, this is where we need to be. And in seven years after that, that's exactly where we need to be. And we can kind of plan out that exact pathway from there. Well, Pete, let's cross absolutely everything. When we speak next week, let's hope that we have the biggest smiles on our face, which we generally do anyway, and, and just, exactly and just right. really, really look forward to um, start to plan for that uh, Women's World Cup in 2023. Another week of wonderful football stuff. We've got Shawnee in the office. Good day, man. How are we going? Oh, we're going really well, actually, for a uh, Wednesday night. And we've got Johnny as well. Hey, Evan, Paul. How are you? Mate, I'm chipper. I'm not sure what's going on in the world, but football is back. Right. Well, I'm sat here talking football with my mates, and I've got a nice glass of red at the side of me. So, uh, hey, life is good. Yeah, we are talking red wine. Okay, because uh, you, you never know Absolutely. these days. You never know with COVID and everything. Yeah, well, yeah. It's a so how are you, <laughs> <laughs> we all feeling that football is back? Do you actually feel it's back at the moment? Tell us about your uh, your feelings watching the first few games back. I think EPL's EPL's been dull as dishwater for me. Um, it, it looks and feels like glorified training games. Um, the best game I've seen was probably Tottenham and uh, Manchester United because I thought Manchester United were quite impressive. But um, there's been too many games where it's, as I said, it's been a glorified, uh, glorified training game. And well, fr- from what I've seen, um, there's too many coaches these days who are just not not willing to buy a ticket in the raffle. And uh, if you don't buy a ticket, you can't win. And um, you know that. Too many coaches should be putting, uh, should be carrying water and putting the corns out. In, in, in my opinion. Well, I was pretty happy. You know what? Guess what? We won, <laughs> and and that always makes a big difference. Hey, um, and three nil. I was happy with that. It was lovely. I, you know what? I haven't enjoyed the restart to a football season quite as much as this one. I didn't see any way you guys were going down, mate. To be honest, I thought your squad's too good. And who are we guys? Who, who are we talking about there? Like we know, but the wider public may not. Well, I go for Newcastle. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, should have a nice, easy win tomorrow morning, uh, three o'clock well, your time. Are we going to start there? Because I tell you what, uh, Paul, uh, it's been a while since we've spoken about this, but um, nothing, nothing um, made me feel worse as a fan than the treatment that we got at your place when we got relegated. And, um, you know, he's a... She's a slow wheel, the wheel of justice, but uh, she's coming, and she's coming to a place somewhere in the middle of Birmingham soon. Yeah, so for those wondering, I am a Villa diehard, and uh, we face Newcastle tomorrow morning at 3 o'clock, and we're still in the hunt now, so um, we're still in the hunt with results that went the other way. Uh, Eight games to go, it's up to us. Um, As negative as as I can be, we've still got 24 points up for grabs. Oh, you've got a good chance. Look, you've got a... You have a chance as long as you can start winning, um, and... You know, let's be realistic. That means you've got to score. You can't be sitting back on leads. And um, you sat back on... Didn't you sat back on a lead this week? Yeah, we um half-time happy, full-time sad. So uh, Inviting people to come at you is not a good policy when you're sitting in the bottom bottom of the ladder. No, and I think it'll come down to the West, Co- uh, West Coast game, uh, the West Ham game <laughs> at the end of the, uh, end of the season, which I actually predicted a long, long time ago. So it's going to be pretty scary. We're talking... Uh... 
talking about West Ham, mate, he, uh, David Moyes epitomises epitomises what I was talking about about coaches not willing to buy a ticket, and uh, I think that you know the 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 insipid performance that his team put out uh, last night was uh, you know it, and 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 when you consider they've they've invested big. And uh, it's it's uh, it's not great. Not His great. hair looks amazing, but I saw him after post game, and gosh, he's got yeah. a lot of it. It's the best hair. It's the best hair money can buy. Oh, yeah. that's brilliant! Product. He's got a touch of John Pertwee as uh, Doctor Who. Beautiful product placement there too, <laughs> as well. And uh, I think that's uh, that's where we're going these days. I was really shocked not to see the product uh, up on top of that coif, but uh, we'll we'll talk just quickly about the championship and. The the teams up top there are seven points clear, and you're a Leeds supporter, Sean. Um, you yep. boss the game, absolutely boss the game, and end up uh, unfortunately losing. Yeah, if you uh, it, that's football, Paul. Uh, you, you know, we seventy percent possession. We make two mistakes, and we're punished. And and a, and a, a good level of football, which Cardiff are a good side, and. Um, they've got the guy who used to manage Millwall, and we know we know exactly what was going to be expected. But just to put it into perspective, in the whole of Leeds's fixtures with Cardiff, we've only won four games out of about twenty-eight, I believe, twenty-nine. Uh, so I always thought it was going to be a very, very tough, tough proposition for us. But thankfully, results went our way. Fulham lost, and uh, West Brom drew. So it's pretty much as you were with an, another game choked off. So I think that the big game this week is Leeds Fulham, and uh, it, and it's at Elland Road. And I'm told that we've got a few surprises for our friends from the south, in terms of a uh, very very loud PA system that we've got in there. Uh, we've got seventeen or eighteen thousand crowdies, and the PA system apparently is is as good as a match day. Uh, so um, it, it's very much in our hands, and and uh, I'm I'm still very very confident. Well, very confident. is that what you really want, though, Sean? Because I mean, I, I'm and I'm just going to um, poke you a little bit here as a good friend as we are, but we've seen in the last couple of years um, similar positions. And if you ask me, if I was betting, and I don't bet, even though I probably should, given the fact that every single team in world football is sponsored by a betting company. Um, the form for West Brom and um, who else was chasing you there? You were saying West Brom and Fulham. West, West, yeah. yeah. Well, they've yeah. managed to see out a qualification to the Premier League in the last five years. Well, you know, it's it's become part of the vernacular now, hasn't it? You know, doing the leads, mm. hashtag, hashtag doing the leads. And it's in the it's actually in the Oxford Dictionary now doing the Is leads. Is it in your head? It's in, no, no. I'm very confident. Very confident. If 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 someone was to say to me, you're eight, you're, you're seven points clear, with uh, seven points clear to third with eight games to go, with five of the last eight games at home, uh, you'd snap their hand off. And uh, it's as I said, we've, Wales and Leeds United don't work. Uh, I was lucky enough to get a ticket for the cup tie at Newport County two or three years ago. And uh, to be quite frank, I'll never get those 14 hours back. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, 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 we lost 2-1. And, um, and, and sadly, I was on one of the club coaches, which was a dry coach. So I couldn't even get pissed. Oh, you're getting so, ready for the World uh, Cup. Oh, yeah. It was, one of, it, was a very, it was a very dark day, very dark day. But... You know, we never do anything easy, but I'm supremely confident that uh, under Mr. Bielsa, we will get the job done and we'll be back where we belong well, next Well, if season. I can just touch on that game, not result-wise, just crowd noise-wise, watching that game, and I must have been like drifting in and out or something was going on because I kept going... What, of consciousness? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But I'm like, oh my God. This... I know the feeling. I'm, I'm like, this crowd is so loud. And I turned to Meg and I said to her... I, where is the crowd hidden? In? And I forgot. I forgot there was no crowd there. They pumped it so loud. I'm like, where's the crowd hiding? If they got the yeah. cameras in the wrong angles. And Meg looked at me and I went, oh, my God. I've fallen for it. But I did watch um, the Premier League. I tried both options on Optus where you could have no crowd noise. Yeah, I did that myself. I did that myself, oh, mate. I actually really enjoyed not hearing the crowd and actually hearing. Yeah, it was much better. Yeah. Much better. Well, I, actually, I, I, I disagree, guys. I, I, I preferred it the other well, way around. They, I preferred the other one. I preferred the crowd noise because, as I said earlier, uh, you know, you don't want to get the impression of a glorified training game, do you? you know? but I think if you could yeah. do it like the rugby league where they never take the, um, the, the, the 
camera off the pitch, then it works okay. But there's just too many times when you look at empty seats and cardboard cutouts. Yeah, I like the idea of hearing the players call. You know, it is like it's like that mode on on FIFA when you're practicing. Oh yeah, yep. You can hear it's every just touch. like that. Yep. Yeah, it's like that. I just don't. I just don't like to see the young men swearing. It's, I hear the young men swearing. It's not but the nice. ball hitting the back of the net. You've got to admit that sound. <laughs> that sound of the ball hitting the back of the net's amazing. I absolutely love it. Well, I wouldn't know from. I wouldn't know from last week. Like, I'm used you know to hearing I mean? it with. Uh, I'm used to hearing it. It's usually when Villa's trying to defend, though. So I'm um, getting very used to it. Yeah. So um, with the return of football, it's it's been um, Foxtel said that they're going to keep the A League for another season. They're going to move them to winter. So you're going to have NRL, AFL. You're going to have the. Um, you're going to have basically go up against everything. Uh, any thoughts on that at all at this stage? I couldn't believe it when I read today that um, the last winter season in Australia was in 1989. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like it's been that long. I look quite frankly, you know what? I like the move. I really do. I think football's a winner sport. Um, I'm quite happy to watch a game of rugby league, a game of um, rugby, and a football match on the weekend. Yeah, it's going to be really you know interesting. I mean? for the, and for the purists, for the purists, it is a winter sport. And it's mm. going to be interesting to go to a game, actually being able to not sit with... Um, like you might be wet from the rain instead of being wet from the uh, humidity. That's going to be interesting. Well, I think, I think that a couple of points. I think uh, from an A-League perspective, I think it's going to be incredibly tough for the, from an from a, um, administration perspective. To, for clubs to offer contracts when, to all intents and purposes, the Fox deal is only a year. Yeah. So, so, we, so they can't essentially offer, great, and offer any longevity contract, which is going to be a, a, a big no-no to attract players from overseas. Um, also, from a W League perspective, um, I can see the league becoming a glorified NPL. Well, I don't, I don't, because, Sean, I don't mind um, that. I don't mind that. But we're going to have so many of our our girls playing overseas, and contracts have been announced. We speak to uh, we spoke to Pete earlier in this episode, and a lot of the girls going to Europe uh, and so forth. It, it's going to bring the quality through again, which we've always seen in the women's sport, where the 16, 17, 18 year olds have been able to step up to the mark, unlike the men. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I accept that point. But what the point I'm trying to make is, you know, you can say goodbye to the fish locks. You can say goodbye to the to the to the to the USA players, to the mm-hmm, European mm-hmm. players, to all the Matildas who were signed. So so um, and if you think about the way Australian sport fans operate, they like to see the big yep. names. And sadly, the big names simply won't be there. So I've, I agree um, with that to extension. I'll tell you what they do like to see too. Is like to see Australian big names. Yeah. And I look. I mean, some dudes roll out as marquee signings in the A League, and if I don't even know who they are, you know, how are you yeah. expecting a regular Joe to know who they are? I think it'll affect the the, the women's game more than the men's game. But the, as I said, from an administration perspective, in the men's game. Uh, you know, you, you you realistically can't offer contracts well, I'm, longer than I'm 12 months. I'm excited for the for the women's game. I, I really am because we know the quality's there from a very young age, and uh, and they they they're getting you know lucrative contracts like they've never ever had before now. And it's just for me, it's an exciting opportunity. Um, lucrative where, Paul? Well, it's it's lucrative in the America. It's lucrative. It's been lucrative in America. The UK is offering big money. Yeah, but it's not it's not lucrative in the A League. Oh no, no, in the, in no, the no. Whilst it's not though, but those younger girls will then see that pathway. So they go from their NPL yeah, to the W League to overseas. Call. It's a you know, um, as a father of uh, daughters and stepdaughters, I see it as a pathway, and and for me, I'm excited for them. Incidentally, big shout out to Ali Carpenter just signed for Leon. Massive move. Big money, big money, uh, and uh, hit, uh, is the Pantene as well, I believe. I could be wrong there. Massive, massive move, and uh, I think that you know you're going to Champions of Europe basically, and uh, she's you know she's a cracking player, cracking, cracking player, and uh, she's one of my favourites actually. She's fantastic. I, I think we have to be realistic too when it comes to um, football in Australia, and. The A League, the A League's never going to compete with the NRL or the AFL in Australia. For goodness' sake, rugby union can't compete with it. Yeah, and you know that's a 
always had a um, a big signature, especially in Queensland and New South Wales, because they've they're the premier club competition of their type on the planet. Yep. And to pretend that the A League's ever going to be that is madness. And if you look back to two thousand and six, and this is very much my theory, um, in the lead up to that golden era team coming up, they came through clubs, they found their way to Europe, uh, they were good enough. The coaching and that was good enough through juniors. And at those coach, those solid cu- clubs like Melbourne and Sydney, Croatia and Olympic and places like that and uh, Adelaide United. And they and they all produced great players. Yep. And the players got to that point and they went over and they, they did a finishing think- school over in Europe. And I think that you could still have a national comp. You don't, you, you don't play it at, at, at Suncorp every week. I mean, and how many times have we heard this? Oh, the quality of the pitch is holding our players back. Oh, come on. You know, that's not it. it. It's pure and simple is that the, the grounds are too big. They're paying way overs to be there. And as soon as they sort that out, the better. I think that, I think just to bookend it, uh, you know, I don't want to be negative on it, but, you know, I suppose from a, from a glass overflowing perspective, Fox have come to the party for a year. Let's, let's make this the best year we can make it. Let's make the W League the best league we can make it. You know, I've no doubt Polks and, and, and Loza and people like that will be there. There'll be enough big names to make it interesting. And let's hopefully, you know, fingers crossed this bloody COVID nonsense gets sorted out and we can get back to a point where, you know, Fox can start, can, can come to the party and, and, and put some money down again. You know? Absolutely. Turned it out to Catley. Provide some width here for Legazzo. Good ball. Van Egmont, little one-two, onside, Legazzo, great ball in, Sam Kerr up the double, there's the backflip, Australia head over heels about this team, about this player, about this superstar. 2023 Women's World Cup, so probably a good time to talk about that, Friday morning, it's announced, it's between Colombia and Australia and New Zealand's joint bid, Uh, very, very big chance that we'll end up hosting the 2023 Women's World Cup. So really never say great. never. The last time we were in line for the Men's World Cup and we got one vote. Uh, exactly. But the Asian Football uh, Federation is strong, or Confederation, and they have put their full uh, weight behind the uh, Australian-New Zealand bid. So if we do, if we are lucky enough to be successful, that's going to be another um, an amazing kind of step for our players as well. Maybe. I think what I... I think what excites, what excites me about it is that, uh, as you know, we've, we've, we've followed the women's game since for, for donkey's years. And, and I think that this would be an absolutely fitting finale for probably about 10 or 12 of our greatest ever Matildas to, 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 to finish. They, they, could work on, they could look at that as a point to finish. Um, you know, KK, uh, Tamika... Um, Haley, Haley's probably going to be thinking about hanging him up at that time. You know, let, let's and, it, and it's super exciting to have the comp in, in Australia and New Zealand in terms of, you know, home advantage is obviously massive, and and I and and it, as I said, it could be a fitting finale for a lot of our greatest players who, who will be getting ready to to call it a day at that point. Are our women going to start talking about it the same way that the American women are about saying if we? I better performed at World Cups and we should be paid um, the same as not more than the men. It's a great point and um, I, I think they should. And I, they've outperformed the men's team for, for the better part of 15 years. Well, I think, I think that there's been some really positive uh, developments in terms of money uh, in the last two or three years. Um, you know, four or five, six years ago, uh, you know, we used to we used to say that the girls were literally getting the crumbs off the table, and sadly, it was uh, not wasn't a gag. It was true, um, and and there's been there has been some advancements, and uh, and and hopefully, COVID won't set that back. Um, but from a from a positive perspective, I I genuinely think that that this could be the the, the finale for quite a few of the girls in terms of Matilda representation, and also from what. Leading on from what you've said before, Paul, that it's a great, it, it would be a massive, massive boost for the women's game in Australia to have that as a aspirational point to say, right, World Cup is here, 
let's give free tickets away to the to the to the people who are registered and let's get people coming through and historically it's generally been a bit of a boost to the game whenever it's held and i think it could be it could give it that extra little kickstart over here as well we'll, we'll be put out of our misery on uh, friday morning so hopefully we wake up to really good news there but as john said Did- it's fifa did you guys sit up for the? Not, not remember sitting up for the announcement for that one. I was like, oh well, if it's not in, if it's not in Australia, at least it's going to be in the USA or England. And then it was like, what? It, you said what? <laughs> what? What could possibly go wrong in Qatar with like drinking? Oh my god! Meet together. Yeah. We won't. I, I can't see a problem. We won't touch all. on the human rights abuses. We know last time that John brought this up, um, he did cut out of this podcast for a few minutes. So to the, uh, <laughs> I was re-educated. I was rehoused. I was about to say to our Qatari overlords, we we <laughs> appreciate your time and thank you for letting our podcast continue. Great point, though. Hey, great oh, point, good people, though. the Qatar World family. Oh, they yeah. fantastic. I absolutely love them. They do not sponsor this podcast, but if they want to, uh, my details, Paul underscore football. So, guys, one of the things that's happened from every now and again, and even in the professional game, a club gets infiltrated somehow. It's a bit of a weird kind of commentary here, but someone might get tra- a transfer that, Nobody'd ever heard of them, or a gaffer that's not actually got the quite, uh, you know, the right qualifications and things like that. So, what's the kind of funniest or strangest infiltration to a professional football club you've ever heard of? Well, I think I think that the one that the the one that the big daddy of them all is uh, Ali Day, Ali Day, uh, George Weir's cousin, hmm. and he spoke to Graham Souness on the phone and. Uh, pretended to be George Weir and convinced Graham Soonis that he was George Weir's cousin and uh, and he says my cousin's a good lad you want to you want to sign him sign him on a one one month contract heck of a player and, uh, oh Matt Latiss tells a great story about this but uh, he actually came on against Leeds at the Dell um, and he'd been doing a bit of training and said he had a bit of a niggle and, and they didn't push him too hard but he looked reasonable so he came on against Leeds at the Dell as a sub and uh, within about 15 minutes he was subbed <laughs> off and uh, it's one of the great con jobs of world sport never mind world football one of the great con jobs and you know someone like Graham Silnis has been around the block you know what I mean and, and, and this was the biggest con job one, as I say, one of the greatest con jobs in world. How do you get through training? You know, is it brilliant. Um, my one is famously the one that um, brought Kevin Keegan, um, and you know, of course, basically the great rift between Mike Ashley and and all and all the fans at Newcastle was the signing of. I've never known how to pronounce his name because I've only read it. Chisco Ixco, whatever his name is from Spain. Yep. Came in. Dennis Wise, director of football. They didn't tell Keegan. Keegan said, I don't want him. I remember that. And then um, basically that's the reason he left. Well, the story is... The story, he said, he's, he said well, and he was absolute rubbish. In the story, John, that he turned up at the training ground and Keegan said, who are you? He says, oh, I'm your new Yeah, son. that's pretty much what happened. Who signed you? Well, Dennis did. Lovely bloke. He's that short Cockney fella over there. And yeah, and that was, that was, the, that was who it. Who are you? Who are you? I'm your new signing. <laughs> the the, the, the Chisco jerseys are a, a real collector's item. If you can get one at Newcastle, <laughs> I think there's a I think there's a few. I mean, there was um, in the A League. We had uh, Mario Jardel, who had 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 a good career, um, but also had been in the paddock for a number of years when he came to uh, came to the A League. Um, one of the coaches actually uh, turned round and, and said, "No, seriously, is that?" And kind of going down your path, is, is that actually his cousin or his brother or something? This can't be the guy that we've seen playing for years. Yeah. It cannot be. He'd put on about 40 kilos in a year. Oh, my that. goodness. I remember that. I'll tell you what, though, Paul, in all seriousness, at, at Porto, he was one of the world's oh, greatest no. players. He had a two, or th- two or three years, he was... No fabulous. doubt, but that's why you've got to he check your answer. Could have been our fat football this season. He should have. Oh, well, actually, it was brought up by a friend that he should have been last week. But that's where you've got to uh, check your timestamps on YouTube uh, scouting, doesn't it? But uh, oh. <laughs> on your, on your, <laughs> on your highlight reel. Yeah. Well, the one for me. I've got, I've got another one, and oh, I tell you what. Like, it's uh, can I can I? This one's a good one because he did a lot of football. You call it in, intrusions or incursions, but it's the great Mark Roberts. Ah. Anyone remember him? No, John, I don't, mate. So enlighten us. 
Right, was a serial streaker. And and and, it, and he's famous on Wikipedia because I had to look up his name because I couldn't remember it. Is that so, when he when he got into the Man U team? All, team, all those things, team, exhibitionism. Team shot, yeah. But he said his holy grail of streaking was, and bear with me for a second, was to do the Super Bowl. And I just oh, I, yes. I looked it up. I looked it up on Google again. It was hilarious because he's he's walked. He's he's dressed as a referee. Yep. The lead referee at the Super Bowl. How's his halftime Super Bowl between uh, the Patriots and the and the, and Carolina? He walks out, puts the ball down on the ticking ticking to everyone's right, and he stands. There's no one around. No one's the wiser because I think the um the actual referee was held up. He's having a squirt in the dressing rooms and got hold up for a sec. So everything fell. And then he just dropped his entire kit because it was all Velcro. Dropped it to the ground and started just doing a jig. John, he was and, he was a serial. He was this, the guy you're talking about. There's a whole um. There might be an ESPN documentary on him. There's something. Oh yeah, he, is this the same? Is this the same guy who walked out to bat? No, no, you're well, thinking first... of um, Carl Power. Carl Power was yeah. the uh, gentleman who did that. That's it's a different guy. Yeah. This guy's a streaker. Yep. And he struck. He, he he streaked at the um at the El Clasico. And he streaked at the um. I'd love to see that at the World Snooker Final, um, on the table. And uh, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> He's dancing there. There's two and a half minutes doing his jig. He said, "What took them so direct?" He said, "The players are looking at me, and they're all going. We think the referee's gone mad. They still thought he was the ref." Yep. yep. And then eventually, he said, "I'm going to have to run because I'm running out of energy." So he took off. And that's when I realised he was, he was an imposter, and um, he got fined a thousand bucks. That was it. He held up the whole. Well, Super I remember. Bowl. I remember the old. Uh, the, the only streaker I've ever been interested in is a lady called Erica Rowe. And it was in the early eighties in the UK, and uh, she did a streak at Twickenham, mm. and it was half half time in an international at Twickenham. It might have been against the Wallabies actually, and um, and uh, Bill Beaumont, who was captain of the England team at uh, um, at the time, she was a well endowed lady. She was a redhead, wasn't she? She uh, yeah, she was a well in, very well endowed lady. She she made a, she made a living out of it afterwards, <laughs> but um, and Bill Beaumont was giving an impassioned half time talk. And he noticed that two or three of the guys weren't taking any much notice of him. And he says, come on, you, you know, you so-and-sos, what's going on? He says, uh, Skipper, there's a, there's, there's a lady over there who's got her ass on your chest. He's <laughs> you got your ass on her chest. <laughs> oh, look, look, if I can go, I'm, I'm going to go back to yours, Johnny, because um, I hadn't actually, when you said his name, I didn't get it. But he's actually, I've actually watched a doco on him. It's amazing. It, it became an art form for him. And that was the same as the um, gentleman that you were alluding to, Sean, uh, Carl Power. I actually had him written down as mine. Um, he infiltrated Man U on a number of occasions, dressed up as a player, and he also was in the uh, photo lineup for the Champions League against Bayern. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think walking out to bat for him. Yeah, pretty good. A, he good opened, one, was didn't he? he? Came out as the opener. No, he came in about number nine or something. <laughs> came in about number nine, and uh, but you know we, we, that's just when Headingley when the, the 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 players come out of the opposite end now, but the players used to come out of the football. Stand he also end. did um, Wimbledon. Um, he came on with one of his friends, and they did yep. a warm up before a match, and everyone thought they were the they were the players, and he was uh, on the um, podium for the Silverstone GP in about 92 or, or, or around that time as well. So there's even more than that. He's done so many of them, made, made yeah. a fortune. Don't try that at home, kids, but, jeez, uh, what, what... Well, I, I think there's a difference what, between what, a what those two were doing and, you know, it was kind of they did their thing and they left and that clown Peter Hall was doing in Australia when he, you know, he destroyed the Socceroos World Cup qualification. Yeah. Cost he, Australia a World Cup. Yeah, per, almost ran on the Melbourne, yeah, Melbourne Cup. Yep. yep. Yeah, and it's a bit different. Um, no one laughs about Peter Hall, but uh, you can sure laugh at the other two. Oh, absolutely. Time in La Bombonera Stadium and England trail Mexico by two goals to nil. Have you heard what the crowd is shouting? Bastards are bastards and bastards are They should be shouting at me and should be shouting at you. And do you know why? Because it's in half time and we're 2-0 down to the Mexicans. So another sideline note, guys, and I know we're, we've moved away from uh, the serious uh, side of football, which is probably a good thing. Which current or former gaffer 
would you have in a Guy Ritchie film? Oh. Do you want to go first, Johnny? Oh, Big Sam. Yep, yep. Sam, Sam. I like Big Sam in that sort of role. Like, uh, he's, well, he's, he's not a big laugh or a smiler, and he's big and he's serious. He'd come across as funny, I reckon, because of that in, in a Guy Ritchie film with the right scripting. Yeah, he would. He's got that sort of big personality. I think he'd have a big personality being a Guy Ritchie movie. You, you, I, wouldn't, I don't think David Moyes is going to make it in there. No. Pro- well, you never know, actually. Well, I, I, uh, I would. <laughs> Glad you said drag. There's, there's, there's quite a number of gags there, but we better not go there. It's a family show. Um, I was thinking more Bricktop from Snatch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the great Alan Ford, you know, what a character. What a char- One of the, the great characters on film. And I was thinking um, if, if the Australian guys who don't know, there's a, there was a manager, a, a great, very good footballer called John Sitton. And uh, he became, he was manager of Leighton Orient for about a year. And Channel 4 in the UK did a, uh, did a show on him called uh, Club for a Fiver. Leighton Orient, Club for a Fiver. And if you look it up on YouTube, John Sitton, Leighton Orient, and it showed, it was one of the first uh, modern day looking in the dressing room and seeing how the, you know, seeing how the gaffer speaks to the uh, yeah. speaks to the players yeah. and stuff like that, and he just was Mr. Bricktop from uh, Snatch. I love it. He, was, he's, he, he says, he says, he says, if any of you don't like it, you can see me out the back. And you better bring your mates with you. Bring your pals with you. Well, on that one, what about was, JFK? Oh man, fantastic. How do you reckon JFK would go? I'll leave it to you, boys. You there? JFK, as in what? As in Joe John Fitzgerald? Oh, Joe Kinnear, Joe Kinnear. Fabulous man, well, a fabulous manager, a, a leader of men, and a and a real speech guy. And everyone, you can all off. Well, you can imagine, you can imagine Joe getting his uh, as long as he gets his pie and mash and his jelly deals, he'll be right. No, no dramas. Think, this, this is, is where New, this is where Newcastle. I'm thinking up. we're missing a. I think we're missing an obvious one here, which I reckon his whole life was written by Guy Ritchie, Harry Redknapp. Absolutely, absolutely, and don't say he's a wheeler dealer, whatever <laughs> you do. Uh, That's it. Yeah, uh, awful dodger. And, and another guy, another guy who I who came to my mind was. Uh, oh yeah, King. you know the assassin's eyes. You know what do you mean? What do you mean? He'd have to be the bag man, and, wouldn't he? Oh man! But uh, as I said, uh, uh, if you're not familiar with a guy called John Sitton, and he drives a London cab now, and he had a lot of he had a lot of trouble after this documentary because he couldn't get another job because he was he was he was pigeonholed, you know, and everybody thought. You know he's a loony and he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna fight yep. the players yep. and all this, but a brilliant football they, man. They brilliant say there's no man. place for blokes like that, and I I, t- I couldn't disagree more. Now I, I'm sorry, I don't want to steer us away. Was talking about Roy Keane, and I watched the um, his his discussion after at half time there on the um, on the Manchester United match. Was Sean? You were saying they played well, but the De Gea and Harry Maguire just. Um, Managed to get each other looking like the old Newcastle defence and goalkeeper, and you know can see the goal there against Spurs. And Roy Keane said, at half time, I'd go in and I'd fight that goalkeeper. He literally said he would go and punch him in the head. Well, you know, it, it reminds me of the old gag. The old gag. You know, we used to take the piss out of when Ali Cook had his very rare bad spell. And we used to turn us. Oh, he's he's batting in his he's batting in his divers boots again. Mm. And I think I think uh, I think Maguire had the divers boots. He on. looks terrible. <laughs> but um, I've got to say, a decay. I'm I'm a bit with um, Roy Keane. It's like I, I can't believe how many miss. He, he doesn't seem to get held to account for terrible goalkeeping. No, no. We got. A, have you seen Have you seen though on the on the uh, uh, the guy who was out on loan? Is it Greenwood? He's he's out on loan, and uh, he said it, apparently his contracts. His contract's uh, coming up, and uh, he said, "Well, the only way he'll sign another contract if he's number one at Man United." Mm. So, uh, so we'll see what happens there. That's a very interesting little Mexican standoff. He, he, I would not. He had a couple well, of golden years. De Bravka for him. He had a couple of golden years, and I think you know everyone's just thinking of those because some of the mistakes he's making. I totally agree with you guys. Are very, very basic, and it's almost embarrassing to see someone go so well for a couple of years and to where he's at now. 
at a club that big. The ball was hit straight at him. Yeah. And he parried it up into the top of the net. You can't be doing that. At the t- okay, if it happens once in a blue moon, because Dubravka had a little bit of a, a spot a couple of years ago where he couldn't catch a cross. Um, but, you know, you come through that and then you expect, okay, well, that's not going to happen again. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll just see him. I just think he's, I think he's hopeless. But the same kind of thing happened. Uh... Oh, oh De De Gea. Mm. No, he must be having a laugh there. He's right? been having so... it. Honestly, go he back makes and, too many mistakes. Go, go back and have a look, Sean. His last probably 12 to 14 months, it, it's been the worst form of his career. He's not dominating the box. Simple shots are getting through. For such a high-class keeper, he's having a Barry Crocker. But don't forget when he started too, he was prone to the same stuff as well. They, they, had, to, they, they had to work him into the team. I think they should have. I think they made a mistake in not in not moving him on a couple of years ago, and uh, and and they had. I think he was under. He had quite a decent term contract, and they they played hard ball with him. And uh, but you know, he's, he, this happens with keepers. Keepers forms sometimes fluctuates, doesn't it? I mean, you know, look at look at the look at Pickford at Everton. He's made some right made some right uh, uh, mistakes and. It, that's the nature of the base. With Look, it is, and it's a confidence game like anything else. It's like the striker who couldn't hit the uh, the back of back of the net from a foot out. It's the same kind of thing. But uh, you know, a midfielder makes a mistake, and it's it's never quite the same as a keeper or a striker, is it? Yeah, and yeah, I exactly. think what Sean's saying there about De Gea—that's what I hear. It's all that. Oh my God, he's 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 brilliant. It's like I don't see it. Well, we've got a few uh, few Man U supporters uh, uh, on forever. I was about to say on um, uh, forever saying that he's going to be one of their greatest keepers ever, but I just can't see it. And maybe we're wrong. No, it's all good. It's, it's all good though, Paul. Because John's on. Uh, don't forget, John's on witness protection. That's correct. And for our Qatar, give everyone my email address. But he's. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I tell you what. You know what? I'm. I, there's nothing I'd love more for them for Man United to keep De Gea as a keeper. Yeah, he's brilliant as far as I'm concerned. He keeps letting ball through. Well, uh, we'll take him at Villa for the rest of the season. Um, can't do any worse than we're doing at the moment. Um, guys, uh, with the football coming up, uh, anything that we're excited about over the next few days besides the uh, 2023 Women's World Cup bid? Yeah, I'm excited about playing Villa, man. I want to I want to beat you and get, make sure that we're not getting relegated and then I can sit down and start reading the papers again, waiting for the... Uh... For the buyout to go through. Well, pretty big, pretty big well, morning tomorrow morning with uh, Man United uh, taking on Sheffield United as well. That's that's got some real relevancy for uh, European spots. Yeah, well, I'm I'm looking forward for obvious reasons to Leeds and Fulham on the weekend, and uh, about seventeen or eighteen thousand crowdies, and apparently the noise is going to be berserk. And uh, you know, if we if we we get the job done. Um, we get the job done on Saturday, then uh, then we're, we're well on the way. Well on the way. We've also got a FA Cup quarter final coming up, which I'm excited about as well. Tell us a bit more about that, Johnny. Oh, I'm going to hold that back until the <laughs> next podcast. Is that is that Ronnie uh, Ronnie Radford and all that? <laughs> we're bringing Alan Golding out for it, mate. Everyone's coming back. Hey, Ronnie Radford's made a bloody a career, a lifetime living out of that goal. Hasn't he? What a goal <laughs> well, that, the game uh, John's talking about there is uh, next uh, next Monday. We've got uh, Newcastle taking on Man City at three thirty. Should be an should be an absolute beauty with a huge crowd. Not and and I tell you what, there's something else here, and this is true. Our form against City in the last couple of last couple of seasons has been pretty good. You go back and have a look at the tail of the tape. We've actually beaten them a couple of times and drawn as well. Well, we might bring so, up the, we might bring when up, we were rubbish. We might bring up the love of the FA Cup uh, in future weeks and and what's happened to one of our favourite competitions ever, which will never come back to its uh, glory days, unfortunately. Um, but anything before we go, guys? Well, I think. Uh... I think we we discussed that maybe one of the topics we might t- touch on would be uh, uh, soccer shows, and um, I I loved I always loved as a kid. I don't know whether you were over there, John, at the time, but you know Saint and Greavesy for Saturday lunchtime. Mm. So I used to always watch Saint and Greavesy. Have your have your lunch, and then off to the game. You know, and it was so good, and it was because there was very little football on TV at the time. So, and and it was similar to over here. You know, when I first came to Australia, you got on the you know on the ball with Andy Pascalidi, yeah. the, the the great Andy Pascalidi. He was awesome. Johnny Warren, Les Murray. You know what I mean? And and you see, I I and, and for all you teenagers out there, 
I go back to the time when I first came to Australia, I either had to ring Les Murray's football line <laughs> that was about two dollars a minute. Yeah. And 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 bless him, Les used to Les used to answer the phone, you know, welcome to Les Murray's football line. Yeah. And it, and it's, we'll start and with it's, the Penathor you know, result. Yeah, you go for about <laughs> 20 quid just to get the lead score. You know? uh, or you'd have to wait until Monday morning for the Gold Coast Bulletin to come so you could see the football scores in the, in the, in the tiny writing with a magnifying glass. Yeah, always the got the Courier Mail on a Monday morning. And I think that's one of the hey, reasons kids. why there wasn't as much football on telly, Sean, back when we were kids in England. That was, all the games were at 3 o'clock on, uh, you know, at the same time on, on the same day. Kids, kids these days. They don't know what they've got. I had to wait for uh, shoot and um, what was the other one? Was it match? I had to wait for the uh, magazines to come out to get the scores half the time. And uh, but for me, Soccer AM in recent years, even though it, you know, it went up really well and then fell off the precipice. I loved Soccer AM. Never been the same since uh, since the great lady left the show. To be honest with you, it's 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 gone down. Definitely gone. But in its uh, at its high point, it was sensational. Oh, I agree with you. I agree with you. It was a good show. I liked Match of the show. Day and I liked, yep. loved the world game oh, with yeah. Les Murray. Yep. Uh, sad to see so many journalistic jobs going and uh, obviously Wes uh, has passed. Guys, it's been another fantastic episode and I hope that your teams do as well as... No, I can't really say that. John, I hope you lose tomorrow morning. <laughs> I couldn't even. Fake, I couldn't, you go, right? I'm I, sure you will. I couldn't even fake that, guys. But uh, I'm sure if Villa win or lose, you're going to hear about it anyway. Ah, should be a good game. You know why not? Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll hold a one-nil lead. You'll beat a six-one. Shawnee, good luck with Leeds. And it's been another episode of We Only Pod when we're winning. Woot woot. With this one. Oh, nothing, Tommy. It's tip top. It's just I'm not sure about the colour.